The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hello once again and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom and liberty right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It is Friday the 17th of November 2023. How are you all today? Another week has passed us by and things just seem to be getting more and more bonkers. Um, the world is literally going mad right before our eyes. Um, I saw a genius post on X from my old friend and former colleague at the Office for National Statistics, Jamie Jenkins, yesterday. Um, and the post was regarding the British Prime Minister's claim that he's halved inflation. So Rishi claims that he's achieved one of his pledges, and the Conservatives made a big deal of it. Lots of posts celebrating the fact that the Prime Minister had halved inflation. Now, what JB posted was a graph of the inflation rate across lots of countries. And guess what? The rate shows exactly the same pattern in every country. Exactly the same pattern. Who would have known it? Rishi is working for all countries around the world. His powers are sublime. Of course, this is really a story about energy prices falling. So it's shocking that Rishi claims it as his achievement. It is a great use of data by Jamie, as in one glance, he totally blows the Prime Minister's claim out of the water. There is also the small detail that the Bank of England, as well as being independent, is responsible for managing inflation. So as well as just making crap up, fishy Rishi Sunakers is also undermining the long-stated claim that the Bank of England is independent of government. Absolutely crazy that this is coming from a Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. If it was a school homework assignment or an exam question, he would have got a fail because what he is saying is absolute nonsense. Um, maybe Rishi and his team at number 10 think we're all stupid. Maybe that's it. Either way, it is a great example of the total incompetence and low-grade politicking from the Prime Minister of the UK. Very, very sorry story indeed. Um, another great story um, I saw today is that the trans woman CEO of um, the endometriosis charity has now accused Emma Barnett from the BBC's Women's Hour of bullying for the questions that she asked on Live On Air. Now, normally I wouldn't listen to the BBC, but on this occasion um, I did. I listened to the interview last night and it is absolutely brilliant. Emma totally blew him out of the water and exposed the utter madness of the decision to put a man in charge of a charity that focuses on a very specific women's issue. It was an absolute car crash of an interview for the CEO because he really didn't have any answers for her questions. And now he's accusing the BBC presenter of bullying, which is hilarious because as a CEO of a charity, you should very much expect 
to be scrutinized. It is part of the job. And when the story becomes about the CEO, as it has um, over this week, rather than the charity itself, well, I think it's wholly appropriate for the CEO to be questioned about it. Anyway, I will pull some clips from the interview um, because it really is quite cringy, this CEO. Um, the, it was an absolute car crash. So I'm going to pull some clips and play them on the show next week to save you the pain of going to the BBC and listening yourself. So anyway, back to today's show, because in a moment I'll be talking about the Middle East with Robin Minotti. And I'll also be discussing chickenpox vaccines with Dr. Claire Craig. As I said on yesterday's show, I was contacted by Full Fact yesterday morning about a post that I put on X that repeated previous JCVI advice that the chickenpox vaccine can give you shingles in later life. That was why they didn't recommend the vaccine back in 2009. I've since expanded my criticism of the new advice from the JCVI and sent it to Full Fact. Um, as they're apparently writing an article now to say that my post is misleading. Um, if you haven't seen it, get yourself over to X. It is quite funny because I do start off by saying full fact can just do one. And they can, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they are an organization that just puts out misinformation, um, claiming that others um, are doing so. So they can do one as far as I'm concerned. Um, what they're saying is that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, a.k.a. the CDC in the U.S., has now refuted um, this concern that it gives you shingles, which apparently makes my post misleading. Now, there are a few things that are interesting about this story because the chair of the JCVI is Professor Sir Andrew Pollard, who led the team that developed, guess what? the AstraZeneca jab that killed and injured so many people before it was quietly taken off the market. Pollard also sits on the World Health Organization's SAGE group. Um, the department that he leads um, at Oxford University gets funding from the usual suspects, such as Gates and CEPI and others, as does the SAGE group um, at the WHO. What I don't get is how can somebody who did the safety studies for a jab that it had to be taken off the market for killing and maiming people um, can still be chair of the JCVI. I don't recall any public statements from him about the fact that the jab has harmed so many. Um, there has been no scrutiny or accountability for getting it so wrong. And now he's recommending to the government that all children in the UK should be given a vaccine for something that really isn't an issue here in the UK, apart from in very, very, very rare cases. I really have a problem with this because all medical interventions have unwanted side effects. No medicine is 100% safe, despite what doctors and politicians told us about the COVID vaccines or jabs um, over the past two years. So knowing this, why would he recommend another vaccine for every child when only a handful of kids are harmed by chickenpox. I think it's roughly 10, well it's just over 10, it's actually 10.8 between 2015 and 2020. 10 children um, on average um, died each year between that period. Um, and given that we've got 14 million children in the UK, it is very, very rare. And of course, 
we don't know if those other children had um suppressed immune systems that that you know maybe they if it wasn't chicken pox it would have been something else we don't know that so my question is is this about health or is it about money in my opinion we should always sit on the side of caution unless there is extremely strong case for giving someone a medicine well then we just shouldn't do it health doesn't come in a needle or pill it comes from how we live our lives how we eat and drink what we eat and drink rather um how we take care of our bodies how stressful our lives are etc etc medicine can be amazing but we really should only use it when the evidence is clear and we certainly shouldn't be giving something to every child um, in the uk 14 million of them to try and reduce 10 deaths of year um there will be side effects no doubt and they'll probably be rare as well but when we've only got 10 deaths in the first place it does it really make sense to me the maths really just does not add up anyway if you want to read my mini article i've pinned it to the top of my x um account um formerly twitter if you want to get in touch about any of the topics on the show, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always, if you want to join in the chat, then head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. EFI Friday. EFI Friday. That's all I've got to say, Gemma. <laughs> How you doing? You're right. Nah, very well. I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you buy your ticket to Killing Kittens Party after your interview with your <laughs> guest yesterday? I can't say that on air. No, no, <laughs> but I can't actually. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Do you know what? Um. I'm not really that interested in going to, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not being judgmental or anything like that, but um, I'm happily married. Um, it just, just, just doesn't interest me in the slightest. I'm curious about it all just in terms of, you know, the, the, the kind of people that go there, what goes on, um, how it all works and everything else. Um, I'm not judgmental about it, but no, no, I didn't Gemma. Okay. Sorry to disappoint clear this one up yeah before we go any further it's been on my mind i thought it was a lovely interview and she's a very very strong woman i really enjoyed listening to it well done there very good anyway, yeah she, it... she is uh, before you go um anybody who's wondering what we're talking about well i had emma sale the ceo of killing kittens which organizes huge great i mean they had a party at the weekend 800 people big sex parties um around the world um you know it's a big organization now killing kittens i think it's, it turns over about one and a half million pounds a year great interview yesterday if you missed it get yourself over to tntradio.live look under shows find the freeman report and there you'll be able to listen to it sorry Gemma, carry on no no it's worth a listen especially on a friday you know let's 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 lighten the mood yes. a bit and people can go back and listen after this show um so i've picked a story today because i know that you and i kind of have uh, differing opinions on on technology. Um, I'm pretty anti, and you're kind of a bit more kind of middle of the road with it. And I thought, you know, we'll end we'll end Friday with a exchange of opinions because that's what TNT Radio is all about, isn't it? You can disagree on lots of things, but still be mates and go to the bar afterwards, have a drink. Um, 
And that's what we are. So I'm looking at this story today and much like uh, the vaccines you were just talking about, this is being dressed up as safety. Oh, it's all for your safety. It's all to save lives. You know, where have we heard that mantra before over the last three and a half Mm. years? And it's the new speed cameras that have begun to be rolled out across the UK as a result of changes to the highway code and the law. Um, They're called ultra cameras. Uh, They use low light technology to catch speeding drivers. They're rolled out across the greater Manchester area already in the north of England. That's a very big patch. Um, But they can see these cameras, these new ultra cameras. They can see right into the vehicle and see what you're doing. Now, they're dressing this up ostensibly as a safety issue. So they say, we can see if you're wearing a seatbelt. We can see if you're on your mobile phone. Um, we can also give you points on your license if you. we can see you don't have a completely clear view of the road if, you're, if your windscreen's got snow on it or ice on it or anything like that. Um, they can see right into the car. Now, a lot of drivers are saying, whoa, 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 didn't ask for this. Is it not a bit of an invasion of privacy? And a few motoring experts mm. have now entered into the debate and said, no, 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 it's all for safety. Um, some some drivers might be, have concerns, but these concerns are unfounded and it's all for safety. It's all to keep us safe, 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 safe. You know, we hear that mantra all the time now. But I think, you know what? Is there nowhere sacred that cameras are not going to be in- able to intrude into our lives? You know, They're all very well dressing up as safety. A lot of things go on in cars. You know, what if you're having an affair? What if you're <laughs> caught speeding with your mistress and it's presented as evidence in court? You know, what if you're doing something in the car that's quite a private matter, actually, um, and that, that is between just you and what's in the inside of your car vehicle? I just think it's another example of the surveillance culture completely dressed up as, oh, it's for your safety, for your safety. I think it's more money, money. Again, like you said, is it about safety with the vaccines or is it about money? Because the more they can see what you're doing, the more they can fine you. You know, if they can see more people on the mobile phones, it's a nice little income stream, isn't it? So I think this is definitely... A bad thing. We've talked about things like speed limits, you and I, and we've also talked about the cashless society. And I know you're not you're not as fussed about using your card as I am. I prefer to take money out and use cash all the time. So I just wondered what you thought about this one. Do you think, oh, it's this is a good thing for our roads? Um, they're saying they want to call it Vision Zero, and that their aim from putting these cameras in is to eliminate all road fatalities and serious injuries, which of course is a laudable aim. But it seems to be a really, really surveillance is everywhere. Soon you might be able to probably go to the toilet without cameras being in there. You know, I wonder where this is all going. Yeah, and I will just um, add something there because I do use cash. Um, I guess my position on that is is more a case of you know in the future, you know, um, when we've got flying cars. I don't know, however you want to imagine it. But when you know, when you think about kind of a futuristic society, then. You know, using um, notes and coins just seems a bit antiquated, to be honest with you. But I I do have a problem with who is in control of the technology and how centralised it is. I think they're the issues, really, rather than the technology itself. Um, on this, um, as you were talking there, I did wonder, you know, if these cameras can see in cars, I wonder if there is another reason, actually, they're installing them. Um, it's just a thought. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of entering a period, I think, where the government feels more under threat from the populace because of all the horrible things that it's doing to us um, and around the world. And I wonder if actually these are being installed to maybe try and um, keep an eye on other things that people might be doing, maybe things that they're transporting. I don't know. I've got no idea. It's just a thought. But, you know, I wonder if these cameras can actually see what you're 
carrying in the car um you know if it can see through um you know in into the car i don't because i'm assuming they they use a um it's not just a normal camera is it it can't be it must be a um some kind of i don't know technology that can see through stuff mm. whether that's infrared or, or I, I i don't know but i wonder if there is another reason um putting that aside though that thought yeah i i just hate this world that we're moving into where everything that we do whether it's online you know and we're just tracked and monitored and surveilled um and it is very much i think moving towards this kind of um you know um social credit kind of world where our behavior is constantly um nudged in different directions by punishments and incentives and you know um i hate it i absolutely hate it i think um it's not a very nice world to live in um you know you just end up like worried all the time because people can't afford these fines um you know if there's anything like a speeding fine we're talking you know what are they these days over 100 pound i think um and obviously getting points on your license and stuff like that it's um yeah it's not a very um it's not the kind of world that i want to live in and i think i think probably a majority of people feel that way as well so i think it is one of these um you know these sort of um policies from government that actually people don't want we don't get asked do we they just go ahead with these things no we don't get asked and, and you know before we go to the break it's just an example of how how many things are coming in now that are thrust upon us that we have not asked for just an hour ago i was talking with rick munn about heat pumps you know and the problems they're causing and the noise levels and they're actually quite mm. significant um and i don't remember any of us jumping up and down and asking to have our gas boilers taken away and heat pumps coming in i don't remember us jumping up and down and asking for these new ultra light uh, that's what they're low light. That's, that's right. Low light technology. These cameras are using. They must have cost a fortune to see into your car. We, we didn't ask for it. And yet it's being thrust upon us on a daily basis now. And if you stand up and complain, you're being a nuisance. You're, you're an idiot. You know that people are complaining and they're saying, well, tough luck. We're bringing them in. Stop being an idiot. It's our choice, not yours. And you're like, we're probably paying for it. That's the ironic thing. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with this as well is, you know, we're just on the edge you know, the next sort of decade, I would suggest, you know, in 10 years time that we're going to have um, automated cars, they're going to be driving us around. Do we really need all of this infrastructure being put in across the UK? Because I, I think I read that they put in 100 of these cameras just around Manchester. So, you know, if you do the maths and think, well, they're going to um, put this out to the whole country, um, it's costing a fortune. People don't want it. It's invasive um and it just seems um that we don't need it yeah so Gemma I, I, th I think you you were thinking that I was going to disagree with you but um sadly I agree with you on this <laughs> well there we go we'll agree to disagree and agree and agree and the debate goes on that's the beauty <laughs> of TNT isn't it and all the things we talk about <laughs> fantastic right Gemma well listen I hope you have a great weekend and I look forward to um speaking with you again next week and to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, I'll have Robin Minotti on to talk all about Israel-Palestine. And then following Robin, we will have Dr. Claire Craig on the show to talk all about chickenpox vaccines and whether kids, every kid rather, in the UK should be getting one. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk 
without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Right, well, I'm delighted that my next guest has agreed to come back on to the Freeman Report. Um, he is Robin Minotti, um, film producer, award-winning architect, and, of course, he's a, a fabulous campaigner as well. Um, you were only on the show about three, well, three, four weeks ago, I think it was, Robin, wouldn't it? But um, it was before everything kicked off in the Middle East, so I had to get you back on because you've been very, very vocal on X um, about it all. Hello, Robin, how are you doing? Hi, great to uh, to be back uh, talking to you. Uh, unfortunately, in uh, uh, not the greatest circumstances when it comes to world peace, but um, I kind of feel that um, I need to speak out about this too, rather than sort of 
relinquish it in some kind of area that, that I consider it not my concern. I think it's, um, it's so tragic that I feel that I can't just um, not talk about it. Yeah, so tell us about, let's start at the beginning. Tell us what your sort of um, overarching view is of what is going on in the Middle East. Yeah, well, in, um, I mean, in terms of the bigger uh, geopolitical balance, we are in a sort of situation where a lot of things are getting decided right now. And it's all interlinked. And it's all got to do with the um, supply routes for energy. Um, now, the main and, and ultimately the main focus, I would say, is not really even the Middle East, it's Europe. Um, the same, I would say, about uh, what happened in, in Ukraine. Uh, you know, as, as we all know, the main uh, provider of energy to Europe was Russia. And uh, most, of the, most of the supply of the Russian gas went through Ukraine. Apart from Nord Stream, we all know what happened to Nord Stream. Now, uh, there is a gap in the market, in the energy market. And um, there are quite significant gas fields off the coast of both Israel and Gaza. Um, one of which had a license that was given, exploration license that was given to British Gas that then was sold, I think British Gas was sold to Shell, I think. Um, and that license expires in 2024. Um, after that, the Palestinian authorities according to international law, would be free to give the license to another company for exploration and extraction of the natural gas of the two gas fields called Gaza Marine 1 and Gaza Marine 2. There could be even more, but they, they've, you know, they've identified two. So they would be free to do that technically. Now, um, one of the interested parties to this um, potential contract is in fact Gazprom. So um, all of this, I would say all of this coordinated effort to cut off, which was, which was, uh, you know, this was detailed in a Stratfor plan for Europe, which was the separation of Germany from Russia was a, um, let's say, a US military industrial complex strategic energy strategic goal to separate Germany from Russia. They've achieved that. Now, there is this gap in the market. There are those gas fields. There is a possibility that actually there could be a contract awarded to Russia again, and they could supply through Palestine. Now, this would have a number of implications. One of them would be that um, Russia would again supply Europe through other directions. The other one would be that some of these funds could be reallocated to the infrastructure of Palestine. 
and the let's say the civil society uh, the the you know it could strengthen the whole palestine project if if Palest if those were used to sell gas to europe now obviously israel can sell its own gas to europe but there could be competition there and that's not that's not what the whole plan of this big separation of europe is all about um, the whole plan is to control who gives the gas to Europe. And obviously, there's a strong interest from um, the Israeli authorities for it to be them. Yes. And um, Robin, I don't know whether you've seen um, the stories in the Washington Post, um, because, of course, a lot of people would say what you're talking about there is a bit of a conspiracy theory um, about, you know, America and their removing Russia um and Germany as a as a unit, you know, Russia providing energy to Germany. But the Washington Post is now even claiming that it was actually Ukraine that blew up the Nord Stream pipe with the permission of um, the US. So like like many other things, um, yesterday's conspiracy theory, we learn actually it's been confirmed now um, in the mainstream press. We, all, of course, all, all knew that that was happening. But, you know, it's interesting again um, again, you know, the conspiracy theories turn out to actually be true. Now, we're just going to go for a quick break now, Robin. Um, and then afterwards, I'd like to talk to you about. Um, so we've kind of set the context there about what we think it's really going on here. And I have to agree with you. Um, I do agree with you what's going on. We've obviously got there's a, a canal they want to build as well to rival the Suez Canal. So there's lots of this stuff going on. Um, I feel um, it's just it's just my opinion, which I'm allowed to have. But I think that Israel let this happen. We know that Egypt warned them it was going to happen. And, you know, it seems ridiculous to me that a load of flimsy paragliders made their way over the war when we know the security apparatus that Israel has got. So I think Israel have allowed this to happen. Uh, and now they're using this in order to put all these jigsaw pieces in, in, in place. It's, there's more about geopolitics than actually what is going on. But we'll talk about what is actually happening and all the lives that are being lost after this short break. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. China has hit back at US President Joe Biden after he called Chinese President Xi Jinping a dictator following Wednesday's high-stakes summit in California. There are fears hundreds of patients may have been exposed to HIV at a hospital in the United States. And former British Prime Minister David Cameron has turned up in Ukraine just days after he was appointed Britain's new Foreign Secretary, seven years after leaving office. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's news talk, TNT Radio. Right now, Robin, obviously, before the break there, we've kind of talked about what we think is actually going on, the geopolitics of it. But what do you think about actually is going on in terms of lives being lost? And, you know, I guess my question to you is, what do you think of Israel's sort of statement? We keep on hearing that it has its, a right to defend itself. Well, uh, I can tell you immediately that uh, beyond what I think I'm trying to do here, because there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of information, and it was similar during COVID and the lockdowns and all of that. And actually, I'm going down to the same thing again. It's not about shouting at each other. It's not about my opinion against yours, you know, a Palestinian opinion against uh, an Israeli. It's not really about that. 
We've got some uh, instruments that we set in place uh, as a result of the Second World War, as a result of the, of the genocide that happened then, as a result of the wars that happened then and the laws of war that were, were broken then and before, um, we've got a, a set of instruments. One of these uh, set, sets of instruments, I mean, to answer your, your question, is uh, you know whether we like it or not. Uh, I'm very deeply skeptical of the uh, people who are employed long term by the United Nations or the World Health Organization. But there are a set of people who get uh, rolling contracts and maybe are there just there for two, three years. And they are the special rapporteurs, in this case, the special rapporteur for, the, for Palestine, for the occupied Palestinian territories. She's called Francesca Albanese, she's Italian. She's an international lawyer and an academic and a university lecturer. Now, what she says is, is uh, basing it on the ruling of the International Court of Justice is extremely clear. She says, and I'm quoting her, Israel has the right to protect itself, but not to wage war. And they're very separate things, especially not to wage war against the people it has kept under belligerent occupation since 1967. Gaza is occupied, given Israel's effective control, regardless of regard. This is very important because it's being ignored in the UK. Regardless of Hamas's existence, this is the international law. Now, taking on this lead of international law, uh, what I would argue, well, I would argue she's using, the, she's using this as well. She's saying herself, the UN Special Rapporteur, that we are um, seriously um, raising the issue of genocide. We're not just throwing it out there superficially. It's a serious issue. It's an extremely serious question. And we should take it seriously. So what is the mechanism there? The mechanism is to invoke the 1948 Genocide Convention. A state party uh, can do this. Uh, the US is a signatory. The UK is a signatory. They're not going to do it. But potentially uh, an Arabic country or some, some, some other country could do it. And that would set up uh, a legal framework in international law in, in motion. Now, quite clearly, there's going to be opposition to that. There's going to be people saying, no, it isn't. Well, that's, that's where international law comes in. That's where a ruling, I think, by the international courts of justice would have to be made very quickly. Um, uh, and, uh, and then special mechanisms would have to come in place in order to stop it. And those are the same for any kind of genocide. Yes, the UN would be involved. That's all we've got. We haven't got anyone else who, who would be involved. Now, this is in theory, this could be done. So my, my, my issue now is, okay, you... The, I do think, from what I'm seeing and from the definition of a genocide under the 1948 uh, convention, which is even the partial destruction of a population constitute genocide. You don't have to try and kill them all. Even part, North Gaza is enough to constitute genocide. For what I think, this uh, convention should be invoked by a state party and we should go back under a framework of international law, not opinions of uh, individual officials here and there. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I agree with you that um, in on this in in this case, because of course we're very critical of the um, the UN, the WHO, and all of these organisations. But in this case, I think actually it is all that we've got. Um, I do wonder, um, Turkey, um, you know, their, their um, leader has come out um, very very critical. Um, I think he might have even called Israel a terrorist state. Um, and said um, Netan Netanyahu's days are numbered. I wonder if it could be Israel that that might um, do something. Obviously, a lot of countries are very critical. What what are your thoughts there? 
Well, the you know the, the thing is that in order to invoke it, uh, you need to be clear that you are not committing it as a, as a, as a politician, because you know Turkey has got its own issue with the Kurds. So, uh, although I I think it's essential that someone does it, unfortunately there are huge issues at stake for any country doing it, which is opposition, big opposition from, from the US, obviously. And God knows what kind of uh, you know economic and other types of penalties they would incur, and that's one of the reasons mm. why a lot of the countries that people were hoping would be quite strong and do something like that haven't done it yet. But that doesn't mean they won't. That doesn't mean that another country won't. But you know, behind the scenes, there's probably already negotiations trying to stop them doing it. So unfortunately, we are dealing with world power and huge economic. Uh, uh, plays that are overruling what I think the area that I, as a as a citizen who who believes that we haven't got much else, uh, believes that we should go back in, in in international law. And if someone raises the issue of genocide, there is a convention that we need to invoke. Yeah, and interestingly as well, um, I saw the other day that a note a notice has been sent to all um, media outlets in the UK not to report i'm going to report on it anyway um we didn't get a notice but um the fact that the sas is actually operating in israel so britain is more entwined in this conflict than we're being told as a populace and um we will talk about that more over the coming weeks now um robin i know that you've got something to announce haven't you before you go yeah the other thing to say is that um Obviously, the situation at a human level also deeply touches me and many other people. There is a doctor who's called uh, Mads, Mads, Mads Gilbert, I think he's called. He's a Norwegian doctor, he's local, and he's talking to a lot of people in the hospitals there. And this has moved all of us, and including, uh, I would like to say, including Eric, Eric Clapton, who's releasing a song uh today and i'm uh, putting it out on my uh, media channels on x and on telegram today at 4 p.m uk time fantastic um and obviously your um i think your handle on x is just robin monotti isn't it um at robin monotti so so get yourself over to um there later today folks and you can hear this new song by Eric Clapton. Robin, sadly, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the um, Freeman Report again. Um, and thank you for all the work that you're doing campaigning. I do think you're a fabulous campaigner and you do talk sense. So thank you for that, Robin. Thank you, James. Right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Right, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, I'll be joined by Dr. Claire Craig to talk all about um, chickenpox vaccines after the JCVI um, in the UK has recommended that every child should get it. So we'll be talking all about that. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, 
tweeting, Greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud. Always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, Here is a place. Now is a time. You want to go? And Butterbean said, Let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Well, I'm honoured today to have two great guests. Uh, my next guest um, has been on the Freeman Report many times before, um, Dr. Claire Craig. Hello, Claire. How are you doing? Hello, James. For having me back on. Yeah, no, thank you for coming back on. Um, obviously, I've asked you um, a couple of days to come on because of this new JCVI um, recommendation that every child in the UK should have the chickenpox vaccine. Now, you know, I've kind of done my own digging, a little bit of research, um, but I'm not a medical professional. So I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on the whole thing. So you've obviously read my article. What what, what are your thoughts on, on this, Claire? Okay, so I think the, the starting point is to sort of explain, um, you know, what the risks are with chickenpox and what, 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 why is it you'd want to do anything at all? So you know, everybody sort of un- has a, you know, an understanding about chickenpox being a childhood illness with a rash. Um, but it can, in certain circumstances, be problematic. So if you get it when you're a bit older, if you're in your 20s or older, it can be dangerous. You know, people end up on intensive care. Some people die. Um, and there are also a tiny number of, of younger people that would die from it. And what happens is it's a, it's a, it's a fam- in the family of herpes viruses. So the herpes virus that people are more familiar with is herpes simplex virus, which causes cold sores on the lips. And what happens with that is that you never really get rid of the virus. So your immune system gets on top of it, but it's still in your body. And so when you are run down, when your immune system is compromised, you get a flare up of your cold sores. And because it's the same family of virus, that also sort of happens with chickenpox. But with chickenpox, um, it becomes dormant and under control and hidden in your nervous system. And so if you get immune suppressed, and particularly in the as you age and you know, in the elderly population, people who've had chicken pox are at risk of shingles. And that happens when the virus in one part of 
system. So basically for one nerve reactivates and that can be really horrible. It's meant to, people say it's mm. like being burnt by a red hot poker and you can have it sometimes in your eye and, you know, have eye complications with it. So, you know, it's not, if you could avoid it, you'd want to avoid it. And so um, older people get their immune systems boosted partly by being exposed to, you know, when chickenpox is around, that's going to re-educate their immune system. Um, and then there's also a vaccination program for older people to prevent shingles. So what's being um, proposed now is that children are vaccinated against chickenpox. Now, this is something that's been done in the US for a long, long time. It was introduced back in the early 90s there. And in this country, the public health officials decided not to do it. And they've decided not to do it for year on year on year, you know, a long, long time. They decided it wasn't worth doing. And and the thing is, it's not a complicated, it's not a sort of simple equation. You know, there are various different factors that come into play. So when you vaccinate babies, you what you're basically trying to do is, you know, minimise the amount of chicken pox that's around in the population. And what that's going to mean for children as a whole is that instead of getting it when they're young as they virtually all do now uh then they might not get it at all and so for those children they won't have a risk of shingles when they're older but for other children they have a have an increased risk of being exposed when they're slightly older so you kind of have that trade-off that you know you're reducing it for some but you might be increasing it for others and then you there was always a concern that because of there being less chickenpox around what effect would that have on the elderly in terms of their exposure and keeping their immune systems topped up? But we've got data now from the US having done it, you know, so we could sort of see what their experiment showed. And if you look at it through the very narrow lens of chickenpox, then, they, you know, they have reduced their chickenpox mortality. They had about 100 a year across the country prior to the vaccination programme, and now it's much, much, much lower. So, you know, through that lens, you can make a case. But there are, you know, there are other aspects to this. And I think we need to always look at everything through a slightly wider lens. And what, what astonishes me about this more than anything is that public health is, public health is a, you know, as a functioning um, um, body that has something to offer to society is entirely dependent on public trust. And they have trashed, public trust over the last yes. few years and you'd think that what they would be most focused on now is rebuilding it like what's imperative for them is to get their foundational things right so that they can then you know move on from there but what they really need is to rebuild public trust so to be introducing something that's you know is controversial at a time when trust is really low just seem slightly strange to me it does, doesn't it? I mean, it, it it does seem absolutely bonkers to me. I mean, the other thing that I only learnt um, last night um, after I'd actually written the article is that um, apparently they're going to put it with the MMR vaccine. So it's going to be the MM, MMRV vaccine going forward. Now, you know, what we've seen, um, uh, you know, it's probably several factors for the lowering rates of vaccination with MMR. Um, I'm putting my seat myself in sort of the government's position. Um, we've seen rates going down over the past few years. Some of that will be because of the lockdowns and people missed appointments. But some of it also will be down to trust. 
with the government because you know we were told that the vaccines were 100% safe, 90% safe, 80%, 70%. Some of the vaccines actually killed people, like the AstraZeneca vaccine, and gave them blood clots and and you know severely injured a lot of people. So it does it does seem odd, isn't it, that they're going to do this now and particularly putting it with the MMR because parents will then have an all or nothing choice. It's either yeah, do you know what? I'm not sure about this now. There's, um, you know, they're they're telling me that I've got to have all of these um, four, um, uh, you know, vaccines all in one go or nothing at all. Um, it does seem incredibly odd. The other thing um, with this as well, um, they do acknowledge, um, I think, of the CDC and also the JCVI acknowledge that the vaccines do wane over time. But I haven't found anything yet confirming for sure um, over what period. So presumably um that we'll need to vaccinate people when they're older as well right so i think i'll just pick you up on those percentages first so that there was absolutely claims of 100 percent efficacy that went down and down and down over time but nobody ever put a sort of percentage on the safety it was always just safe and they never said what they meant by that you know and safe is a word that can be interpreted in a variety of different ways and it's also a word that you know, we have rules about its usage in respect to medicine. So the um, MHRA are responsible for how medicines are marketed and they have a blue guide that sets out what you can't say. And one of the things is safe. Now, you know, you can't say things without actually explaining what you mean by them. And the pharmaceutical industry themselves have their own code of practice, which says you cannot disclaim that medicines are safe. And you know, they've just completely blown this apart. But actually, if you look closely, it was never the pharmaceutical companies breaking their rules. It was governments, it was media, you know, they ever other people were doing it on their behalf that the MHRA never sort of came in and and dealt with that problem. Um, so you know, that's dealing with the the sort of the safety side. Then on to the MMR point. Um, you know, that they're, they're arguably that's too late as well, because when you look at who the children that do die, there's a significant proportion of them who are under 18 months old. So if you really were doing this in order to save children's lives, then vaccinating at age 18 months and then, at, you know, whatever it's two and a bit, then that's that's a bit too slow. And yes, I totally take your point. And this is what I was saying about the, the trust issue. You know, we've, we've had lots of stories around how we're going to have a measles outbreak because MMR rates are too low and they're well below the rates at which you get an outbreak in London and have been for some time. So you would think that public health officials would want to fix that problem mm, before... Yeah trying to doing anything to put people off and and you know chickenpox well as i said it's not completely benign you know it, it's it's more benign than measles so if, if you really want to focus on the measles problem then surely you get that right first and i do completely agree with you that you know there will be people who who are just for them that's sort of the icing on the cake in terms of their decision making that you know they may be already questioning stuff then why would you just give that to them now not now you know, at least just yeah. and, and not in this way. And there's something about how everything is, um, you know, it, it's so high. It's so sort of kind of centralized dictation of how health should be. We're, you, this is what we're giving you. Take it. <laughs> 
and yes. and that's yes. and and in all the communication around COVID has been like that as well. It's been incredibly patronising. Get boosted, get boosted, get boosted. Like really, is that how you can communicate with the public? Is that addressing their concerns? Is that you know actually treating them like sentient beings? And they just sort of have failing to do that dramatically. Yeah, I mean the other thing for me as well, there does seem to be a little bit of a moral dilemma here as well because for those parents who you know rightly it's a uh, um par parents should be in charge of this for those parents that do decide not to vaccinate their child it seems implicit in this messaging from government the way they're going about this is that well if you don't get your child vaccinated um, against chickenpox, then that will put them at very, very high risk later on if they do get it. Because if it does bring down the incidence, then it's less likely that children that don't get vaccinated. So we've moved into this area now where because of government policy, people who decide not to go along with it are actually put at higher risk. And I do think there is a, a moral um, dilemma um, in, in, in that. Um, the other thing, quick, Claire, um, now, you know, there's a lot of people who think that a lot of these vaccinations, and I think in America on the schedule, I think there's something like 71, something ridiculous like that, 70 old um, vaccines before you're 18. And there's a lot, obviously, a lot of talk about, you know, um, rates of autism and all this. We're not going to get into whether there's a link between them, but I am interested to hear, you know, how do they actually test these? Because they don't do control groups over time to get long term data. So, you know, how do we know that these all of these vaccines are safe? Because when we look at the US, it's clear that rates of autism, um, rates um, of ADHD and all these things. Obviously, there's questions about diagnosis and is are we over diagnosing people and all of that. But um, how can we be sure that these are safe? So I think that is a sort of the big dilemma in in medicine and in public health medicine is that there's always been this that if you did a proper long-term trial against a placebo group that you would be exposing that placebo group to unnecessary risk because they haven't got the protection from vaccines and so that you know there's always that sort of dilemma that the the perfect way of measuring this and proving it is sort of not really available ethically in their view and so you're always compromised on what kind of data you can collect and how you can interpret it and um you know, everything becomes a bit grey <laughs> thereafter, and and that that is problematic. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame, but I think that you have to sort of see it's not clear cut that how it should be dealt with. Exactly, and that was that's my point. And of course, yeah, you couldn't test chickenpox vaccines ethically, could you? Because you would then be exposing the ones which are not vaccinated, as we yeah. just discussed, to higher risk later on. So it's impossible to do the sort of gold standard of testing on these things. Right now, Claire, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, I want to talk about your book. Tell us all about your book, Claire. Thank you, James. So, um, um, you know, having done this work as I've done over the last few years, all kind of unpaid and throwing myself at it putting in hours and hours of work um I kind of wanted to put some of it down on paper and and I also actually was sort of um, wanted to do it from base back in 2021 when I realized that we have this problem that whenever I spoke to somebody face to face about one particular aspect of what had happened I might be able to convince them completely 
on that aspect. And literally, as they turned to go, I could see the cogs kind of turning in their head. And it's like all, all the work was being undone because it didn't fit in with their understanding of the broader picture. I thought, well, we've got a problem here because it actually is going to take, it takes quite a few hours to explain the whole story to somebody. And until you've understood the whole story, you can't really understand any of it because one piece is dependent on another piece, you yeah. know? And so, and that the way people's brains work is that you're always fitting into what you currently know. And so if something doesn't fit, it gets thrown out. So I thought, well, we have, if you need time for that, and the way to have time is to explain it to somebody in a book. So I kind of took the approach with this book that I was talking to somebody who was you know naive to it all and that you could just bit by bit build up on what they understood why there were problems with that and then breaking it down so it's it's, it's expired covid the untold story it's available on amazon fantastic i was just going to ask you the name there i'll be getting a copy of the book after this show claire um ladies and gentlemen dr claire craig thank you for coming back on the show claire and and good luck and, and thank you for all the work you're doing by the way with hearts like you said it's unpaid um and with you know other groups as well so thank you very very much right to thank the rest you. of you i hope you have a great weekend and don't go anywhere stay with us on tnt radio